Derek Togerson just took a healthy pull, uh, pull, I should say, from his water bottle. So Hydration he is ready to go. Key. Properly hydrated, ready to go. It's that time of year after all. Yes, it is. Got to make sure the body is fit, properly hydrated. Especially because you got to go to Arizona I know. where it's warm mm-hmm. for spring training. Can't wait for that. This is the On Fire Podcast. Hey, thanks for listening. I'm Darnay Tripp. He's Derek Togerson. Derek, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Good. Coming to you from the NBC7 Podcast Studio. Uh, spring training has arrived. Yes. We are recording this on Thursday. First workout for the pitchers yes. and catchers. I don't like the whole the whole pitchers and catchers report thing, yada, yada, yada. Like, it is what it is, but, like, Fernando Tatis has been down there. Eric Hosmer's in the cage. Tom Tommy Pham's Pham is there. there. You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're, the position players are supposed to arrive Monday, first workout Tuesday. I mean, it's, it's good. You like to see those guys there. Yes. I just don't know what, like, the, the – the, the whole pitchers and catchers charade. Like, what? Like, I mean, the guys are there. Let's just... Oh, just get there, right. Just get well, there. Just well, start. Traditionally... Like, we're, we're talking. We're hearing from these guys. We're interviewing. I mean, this doesn't happen at, like, football camps and that sort of thing. Like, the uh, first day is like, the first like, day. Well, li- linemen and linebackers, they have to report first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then come the quarterbacks and the wide receivers. But the quarterback and receivers are throwing on a side field. So they're already there. So they're already there. Exactly. They don't have to be. I just think it's funny every single there. year. Because that's you know the tr- baseball tradition is that pitchers need a lot more run time, right? They need to start working their arms into shape a little sure. bit more. They do more conditioning and to go later and deeper into games. So they always kind of had to be there for a little bit of extra time. But also that was way back in the day of baseball when guys weren't taking care of their bodies year round. Where guys would come to spring training as okay, this is how I start getting in shape for the season. The conditioning starts right with that first workout. That's not the case anymore. No, it's not. So I don't. This is one of those old baseball traditions that yeah. I don't know why it's still a baseball well, tradition, but it just is. Especially since it's like a like a five day difference. Yeah. Like it's nearly a week. I mean, if you no, want I don't to do know, pitch- is it in the CBA? Maybe that's I, it I must don't know. Be. There's got to be something along those lines. Because um, why not just have pitchers and catchers report this day, full squad workout the next day? You know what I mean? Like I don't know. everybody I just, show up on this day and let's roll. And let's, How about let's just that? let's just go with it. And and we'll be there as well. We'll be there next week. We'll have uh, should have a couple episodes of the On Fire podcast coming to you from Peoria. Uh, where where we made our uh, maiden voyage a year ago. Um, so excited to get back there. Excited to talk to the guys, to be around baseball things. We'll get into this uh, Padre spring training, all that stuff in a second. A couple things we need to get to. Yes. A couple business keeping items, one of which is pretty exciting. Yeah, I, I agree. A hundred percent. Especially if you like going to Padre games. And I would imagine if you're listening to, I I would think the hit rate is pretty high, like close to hundred percent. If you're listening to this podcast, you like going to Padre games. That would be my assumption. Yes. And I'm going to make that a pretty strong assumption. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and make that uh, a a guarantee. All right. First things first on fire podcast brought to you as always by OGs Uh, over 15 TVs at every OGs location, the official pizza of the undefeated Aztec basketball team going for, what, 26-0 Saturday or Sunday at Boise State. How great is that? Mountain West regular season champs. They're cutting down the nets on February 11th, which is silly. Four games left, and they've already won it outright. How great is that? 10 OGs beers on tap with 20 guest taps as well. Tour to OGs is continuing in March. We now have that date. That'll be uh, March 12th, Thursday, March 12th in Encinitas, which is where we had our first Tour de OG stop a year ago, where this whole uh, thing started. So 
Thursday, March 12th in Encinitas, the Torta OGs will continue again, and we'll be making monthly stops. So excited about that. And that's a nice spot because it's in between the Mountain West Conference Tournament, which San Diego State should be going through and winning in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and Selection Sunday. So we know the Sacramento pod where the Aztecs should end up is a Friday-Sunday deal, so yes. they wouldn't be playing on that day. But, you know, it's nice to not have to worry about going up against the NCAA Tournament. It'd be right up there right in the middle. Not even going up against, but the screen for the people watching the uh, on Facebook Live that says On Friar, sponsored by OGs, it would not say On Friar, sponsored by OGs. It would have NCAA basketball going on right now, and we'd be doing the podcast looking at it like this, like – so like just, just baseball or some something, and then just well, watching basketball. The the crazy thing is, if the Aztecs make this make the Sweet Sixteen, I guess they would be playing the day one or two days after Opening Day. So Opening Day is March twenty sixth, right? Mm-hmm. Colorado Rockies. Which um, is a Thursday. That's a I'm looking at the wrong calendars. Yes, yeah, so that's a Thursday. Um, yeah, so they could be playing the same day. We could have a Sweet Sixteen game and Opening Day. Which would be pretty wild. That'd be one of the. I'll tell you, that'd be one of the biggest sports days in San Diego It'd history, have to be, right? Oh, without question, one of the biggest days for sports in San Diego sports history. So I'm hoping that's the case. All right, that'd be awesome. And, and this is the headliner here. We got we've we've been planning something cool for our fiftieth episode. Correct. Um, this is episode forty-eight. Uh, so fifty will probably come when we are in Peoria. In celebration of our 50th episode of On Friar, we're going to give away a pair of Padres tickets to their second homestand against the NLE's champ, Atlanta Braves. So get a chance, Hello. Get a chance to see a good club. It's, pretty, it's a pretty good club. You're going to see Tatis and Acuna on the field at the same time. How great is that? The game would be Tuesday, March 31st, 710 first pitch. To enter for your chance to win, take a screenshot of you listening to On Friar, post it to Twitter or Instagram using the hashtag on Friar Sweepstakes. You have until February 28th to post your screenshot with hashtag On Friar Sweepstakes. For more info, go to NBC7.com slash On Friar. Now, would this work if I if I took a picture, somebody else took a picture of you doing the On Friar podcast? <laughs> close. Or listening to the On Friar podcast? That's close, but we want to see on your phone you actually playing the On Friar podcast. Okay, so through like Apple whatever or Stitcher, if you have Android, whatever it is. Anywhere. Anywhere you listen to the podcast. Get a screenshot of these podcasts streaming post it to instagram or twitter and then hashtag on fryer sweepstakes on fryer sweepstakes is important because that's a that's a legalese thing we need the sweepstakes in there and if you do that you will be registered essentially to have a chance to win these tickets and we will randomly choose somebody They'll get to go to that game on march 31st against the defending nle's champ atlanta braves it's awesome that's awesome so you got a little bit of time. What is today? Today's the 13th. So February 28th. That's when we cut it off. Correct. And uh, we will Is there a cap on the number of times someone can enter? Like, if you, can you enter multiple times if you listen to, like, if you listen to all 48 episodes of the On Fire podcast, can you enter 48 times if you send us 48 screenshots? I mean, you could enter 48 screenshots at the same one. Um, I, I'd have to check with legal on that. Let's check. Um... But yeah, post a picture, screenshot, Twitter, Instagram, hashtag on fire sweepstakes, a chance to win two Padres 
tickets. Very excited. Good luck to everyone. And again, this is our way of saying thank you to everyone who has helped uh, helped the On Fire podcast grow to something that we really enjoy doing, but also has gotten a really really good response. You just don't know, right? Like when you start something like that, how it's going to go. Obviously, we know the fan base is there and uh, a, a bunch of the fan base has decided to listen to us talk about their team, which has been awesome. It's been great seeing the numbers grow. Um, it's been a lot of fun. And so we're coming up on our one year anniversary, like you said, a, w- a way to thank listeners and everybody for being involved. Uh, it's been a blast. It's and, been awesome. And can't wait to see what uh, is to come once the season gets started. All right. To the business at hand. Spring training. Yes. Um, we uh, were a little tight on time today. So, Derek, I'll just, you know, when when you've, you've seen things start to get percolating a little bit in Peoria from a distance here. Like it. Uh, hearing some interviews, seeing some video, pictures here, there. Already love Tommy Pham. Yeah. Already love Tommy Pham. I mean, I, I I was thinking today, like, person I'm most excited to to just see, be around, talk to, that's the guy for me. I come here and I work. That's what he said. Mm-hmm. I come here and I work. That dude, I mean, as good as he is and as much recognition as he's gotten, he has a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. He wants to be the best he can possibly be. He wants to be among the best players in the game. And I think he wants that recognition. I think he wants to be, when you start talking about the best outfielders in the game, mm-hmm. it's the, the Betts and the Bellingers and the Trouts. And he, he wants to be mentioned with those guys. Mm-hmm. And that's an incredibly admirable thing to do. And if that's your goal, you got to bust your tail to get there. This dude busts his tail to get there. Our buddy AJ Casavell had a piece on him uh, on MLB.com. Um yeah, coming off an, uh, a season where statistically, like, as good, if not better, than anybody in the Padres lineup. Especially with, from an OBP perspective, he was leaps and bounds. For sure. And then, but dealing with some shoulder ailments that he's still trying to kind of completely, you know, distance himself from. Uh, sounds like they're kind of taking it easy to start, but should be good to go once opening day rolls around. Uh yeah, one cool part of that piece, he's talking about their series at Petco against the Padres, and he was like, yeah, just they, they struck out too much, which, yeah, not exactly a newsflash. No, but um, hearing him say it is so awesome, isn't him, it? Him having the awareness and being able to break it down and being like, look, I strike out too. You know what I mean? He wasn't just pointing fingers. He's like, I deal with this too, but at least make him work for it. And so that's just kind of the, the first glimpse of that mentality that he's bringing, right? Like... Uh, he's got that edge. Um, it shows edge. It shows accountability. Um, just some insight, what, what it takes to be successful, uh, all that stuff that this team needs, right? Correct. Absolutely. What, what this team needs is higher OBP, better approach at the plate. Just, a, a like I tell my little league kids, you know, there are no bad hops or dropped balls when you're walking back to the dugout. After strike three, put the ball in play, and there's always the chance it, it's going to find a hole somewhere. You know, just swing over the fence entire, you know, completely and striking out as often as the Padres do. Yes, you're going to hit the ball out of the ballpark sometimes, and that's good. But if you just put the ball in play and make contact and maybe get on base, there are three dudes behind you in the lineup who can also hit the ball out of the ballpark. So that's what I think Tommy Pham does really well is he gets himself on base and even even if he's shortening up and not hitting a home run but he's fouling balls off fouling yep. balls off making the pitcher work and then gets a walk out of it yeah okay that's still a productive at bat 
because you're still getting on base and giving yourself a chance to put pressure on the defense, put the pitcher in the stretch, get runners on base. A, a solo home run becomes a two-run home run. That makes a big difference in baseball. And he's coming from the AL East. And I remember, you know, when the Red Sox were in town and suddenly those games went from like three, three hours, five minutes to like three hours, 45 minutes. Yes, because they was work you. Because they work you and pitch counts were going up and it just was a grind. And, yes. and more so than what we were accustomed to seeing in your run of the mill Padre game against NL East teams or teams from the division. It was just kind of a different game a different approach it was noticeable and you could tell that like Padre pitchers like it kind of got under I think I remember Cal Quantrill like talking about how like it just changed his approach and he you, you know it's coming you just have to deal with it it's frustrating but that's just the MO right and, and that was without the DH because they were in the National League ballpark so even more so yeah which makes it even more incredible the guys that they have in there who can just work counts and just work and work and work. I mean even rubbed off on David Price hmm. he had he was he's two for his last three as he said in his press conference to the Dodgers yesterday even the pitchers when they're in that kind of a system they even will work the counts for you it's, it's incredible when you have a lineup full of guys an organization full of guys who take the same approach mm-hmm. and you drive it into them and you drill it into them and all of a sudden man that makes it really difficult on an opposing pitching staff, especially a pitching staff like the Padres had last year that was so thin at starter and had to work the bullpen as often as it did. Yeah. Um, we got to touch on the Tati stuff, right? I knew he wasn't going to center ever for this, simply because unless Lindor showed up, then I'm okay with putting a guy yeah, like that out. It's strange to go down that road very far without an obvious replacement for him at shortstop. Yes, and here, here's the thing. All right, it's two things. People saying, all right, he was one of the worst defensive shortstops in baseball last year when it comes to defensive run saved. Runs saved. Made a lot of errors. Okay. And he's athletic as hell and he can handle center field. There's no question. He's got the speed. He's got the athletic ability. He's got the arm strength. He can handle it. But I will say this to those two things. The first one is he was a 20-year-old <laughs> who's insanely athletic learning at the big league level. Most of those errors that he made were he's trying to do too much. Eat that ball. Don't don't make that throw. You're not going to get the guy anyway. And that just comes with experience. Now, is he ever going to be a gold glove caliber shortstop? Probably not. Is he going to be above league average? Absolutely, he will be above league average. And if he can even get to the point where it's like a like a Derek Jeter, who just just make the plays you need to make, and then make some spectacular plays on top of that, and hit the way you hit, mm-hmm. then you're a Hall of Famer. There's no problem. The other thing you don't want to do is put that guy in the center field because as hard as he plays, do you want him running head first at 15 at miles, an hour miles per hour into a center field wall? Because he would. I, he'd be, and he's so damn fast. It'd be 20 miles an hour. He goes face first and knocks himself into next week. Yeah. You don't want him around walls. <laughs> okay. Keep that dude away from, from any, hard, any hard surface he might be plowing into trying to make a play because he is that aggressive and he does play the game that hard. Or into a left or right fielder. Correct. Which we've, see, which we've seen with the Padres way too many times anyway. Uh, Nevin and Klesko. You got uh, Dickerson and Jankowski. You got I mean, you can think of a lot of guys who have run into each other in the outfield for the Padres, and it ended up hurting them in the long run. <laughs> the, the interesting thing was he was at the Salute to Champions on Wednesday, and so that's the day all this starts. And, uh, you know, A.J. Preller was quick to say, no, he's not getting any work at center. He's our shortstop, yada, yada, yada. And then – 
uh, Todd Strain was there and, and we're asking him about, or he's asking him and the, the other folks in the scrum about uh, playing center. And he didn't exactly say anything that would make you think that it's, might not happen at some point. I mean, he was basically saying, yeah, it was fun. I like trying new things. I'm open to it. That's you know, him being the ultimate team it's guy. It's fun that's that people what are is. talking about it. I, I mean, you might be right. I just, I, my assumption was he'd go out there and be like, nah, I'm playing shortstop. That was fun. I was just having a good time, but shortstop's my position. That's all I'm worried about. Um, but he didn't exactly quiet the chatter, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, but that's also not his job. Because as again, a now twenty-one-year-old kid—he's—he's he's grown up now. Who's coming into his second year? It's a fully he's, grown adult, <laughs> almost. He, he can buy—he can legally buy alcohol now yeah, in the yeah, United yeah, States, exactly. Which is amazing because he couldn't do that his whole rookie year. Hmm. He's gonna still say, hey, "What the team? What's the team need? I'll do it. What's what's the team need? I will do it." And that's admirable as heck of him to do something like that. And it's and it's the right thing for him to do. Still being a player that's that young, yeah. even as amazingly talented as he is. I'm going to look, though, in his locker when we get to Peoria and see, is there a longer glove somewhere that might be getting broken in? Because uh-huh. if so, I'm stealing it, and so he can't do that anymore. <laughs> so you're not into the center field thing. I'm not in the center field thing for him right now, no. Okay. That's the other part of it is, too. If it's not Lindor, who is it? Okay, are you going to trade for Chris Bryant? Well, that's, that's put the him scenario third you and Manny, week, And Manny yeah. plays shortstop now? Maybe. Maybe. But Maybe again, I'm so, okay with that. I, Except I'm not. Don't put the man in center field. It's all moot now until they have an obvious replacement at short. You know, it's all right. it's all fun and games, but really there's no scenario, at least that I can think of off the top of my head, where that would actually come to fruition because who are you putting there? Right. And the other thing, and I get the other part of it is too, is okay, they traded Manuel Margot. They don't have a true center fielder on the roster right now. Tatis is athletic enough to do it, so do you fill the hole left by Margot by putting Tatis out there and then try to supplement the infield? I, I get that way of thinking, too. But, again, Tommy Pham can't handle it. Trent Grisham, I think, is mm-hmm. is going to show a lot of people that he can handle center field on an everyday basis. Defensively, he can do it. Yeah. If he hits enough is going to be the question. And then Franchi Cordero. Maybe they know Franchi Cordero is more healthy than, than we know he is. If he can stay healthy for a whole year, absolutely he can play center field. So you got three other guys with on the outside looking in Taylor Trammell mm-hmm. who might you know hit his way onto the, the opening day roster more likely to be in the middle of the year. But he's a guy who, again, is athletic enough to handle center field, not a natural center fielder, but can certainly handle that position. You've got other guys who can do that. Yeah. Um, what else has caught your eye? The first guy everyone goes and talks to is Mackenzie Gore, <laughs> which is awesome because that's that's how important that dude is going to be to this team. Yeah, that's how important he's going to be to this team, which is awesome. You know, I I love the fact that he just goes, all right, what you got? Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm here. I'm just turned twenty one. I'm I I know how much I've been talked about. Let's do it. I'll show you what I got. And it's also coming a year removed from Chris Paddock. And so there, there's always going to be kind of like the blueprint was laid, so to speak. Yes. And it, it is a different scenario because there are f- five guys that you can point to in the rotation that you didn't necessarily have a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but he saw how everything played out and he yeah. saw somebody make the jump from double A to the bigs. And he certainly Paddock certainly wasn't the only one. Um, and he also saw how the Padres were not trading him for Nova Syndergaard. The Padres were not trading him for insert name of big name starting pitcher here. Right. 
they weren't doing it, and they weren't going to go out and overpay for a guy like Garrett Cole or Steven Strasburg mm-hmm. because they knew they had Mackenzie Gore. So he knows how well he's thought of in the organization and around baseball, and he knows that, well, what the expectation is. And the expectation is to be an all-star, yeah. a multiple-time all-star. Yeah. And I think he's good with that. So we're getting a glimpse of him. We're getting a glimpse of Luis Patino, uh, Chris Paddock with a lion tattoo on his forearm now. Um, and he wants that opening day start. Like bad. he's openly campaigning oh, yeah. to be the opening day start. And I love that. I love because it was like the whole you know Pete Alonso thing. Like yeah. he he pitches better when he has perceived slights. When yep. he has an edge to him mm-hmm. and he's looking for something, he's better. I don't know. I mean, it might have just been a coincidence, but they posted pictures of the guys walking in, and he was walking in with Garrett Richards. And I was like, I like that. I like that a lot. Those I two like dudes going to push each other. Well, pushing each other and just all that he can learn from Garrett Richards. And we saw Richards with that edge in his first start back. Like, he pitched well but missed two pitches that hurt him a little bit, and he was heated. Like, he was he was yep. not having it when he got back into the dugout and you can see he was ticked off at himself yeah and and this team needs more of that and chris paddock's got that in him as well i i think he's shown his he, i think he's shown his frustration i think he internalizes the frustration a little bit more like like richards was like cartoon steam coming out of the ears right i don't necessarily remember seeing that in the same way from paddock like you could tell obviously when there was frustration, but um, didn't necessarily show itself in the same way. For him, what you see is when he's motivated, like you said, and when right. he's locked in and when he feels like he has something to prove. Um, but it's when guys got on and he was getting knocked around, like the shoulders slump a little bit, and you can tell he's he's frustrated with the situation. Right, and as he said uh, at FanFest when I asked him about this, he said he learned that at Double A, you can get away with not hitting your location if you're dominant. You're going to be okay because they're, they're double-A hitters. You do that in the major leagues, all of a sudden, the stuff that you thought was dominant at double-A, it's not dominant anymore. Mm-hmm. So you have to locate it. So I think you're going through that mental grind of, this was working for me last year. I'm just yeah. doing the exact same you thing. You just show up and you're going to pitch however many innings, give up a couple hits maybe, and essentially a quality start. Right, because you're, you're just that much better than the people you're facing. You get to the major league level, now you have to have the talent, and you have to have the stuff, and you have to have the location. And when he learned that through the end of his uh, his last, what, five starts or so, when he learned he had to do that on a consistent basis, he was back to being the guy who had the buck 91 ERA in March and April that we mm-hmm. all fell in love with. He had to go through that learning curve of, man, that's what you, the shoulders would slump, and he'd be going, man, what's, go, what's going on? Like, you have that doubt. Everyone has to go through that where you have that doubt of, am I good enough for this? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not getting away with the same things I was getting away with. Am I good enough for this? Now, Andres Munoz had to go through that last year, throwing 101. He got touched up by a few guys. And he has to go, okay, I can't just put it right there anymore. Mm-hmm. I have to put it where I need to put it as well. So when they learn that and they're able to go through it and understand it and recognize it and come back stronger on the other end that's what's most impressive. And that's what we got from Paddock on the back end of that is he had to go through that growing pain. He had to go through the self-doubt. He had to go through the self-reflection and realize I have to be better and refocus himself. And once he did that, he was Chris Paddock again. That's the most important and impressive thing that I saw out of him and that I think we're going to see through the entirety of the 2020 season. And just the fact that there's there's no leash anymore. Also awesome. Because you would see it in like the – 
five and two thirds or so. When, when are they going to come get me? And then there'd be a, maybe there'd be a walk. And the first thing he does is look to the dugout because he knows he's around like 91 pitches. Mm-hmm. So, and that plays with the back of your head too. When you know, okay, I've got to attack this guy because if I don't, if I get a deeper count, I'm out and I can't go as deep into a game as I want to. Mm-hmm. That has to play with you as well. You're thinking, no, I'm not going to throw the curveball here because I need I need to get a strike right now. Even though that's probably the better pitch against this hitter, mm-hmm. even though it's still developing, I can't throw that in this situation. You take off those blinders. You take <laughs> off you take off that kind of reins and you let him just go and let your thoroughbred run free. Now we get to see what he actually is like. Uh, I got one kind of out of left field. I was thinking about last year and, and how it played out. Is there a Nick Margavichus in this year's scenario? A guy that nobody's talking about that, uh, and again, part of it came down to is, part of what it came down to was there just not being five starting pitchers exactly on the roster at the time. And he did enough and had three decent starts and started getting knocked around and didn't end well. And he's uh, now in Seattle. And he's now in Seattle. Is there is there a guy or a scenario or maybe even a position where you feel like that could come here? Yeah, there are guys like that. No question. I couldn't tell you who they are, and I'm pretty sure they're not going to get that same kind of uh, of a chance mm-hmm. because look at how many starters, legitimate big league capable starters that they have in camp right now. Well, I'm not, I'm not talking about from you the start. I'm not necessarily talking but starting rotation. Roster wide, team wide. The as one a place whole. it would be is second base. Right, yeah. The yeah. one place, one place it would be would be at second base. Let's say that Profar, his shoulders still aren't there, mm-hmm. and he's scuffling. And Greg Garcia, you need to have as your, you know, your jack of all trades, your Swiss Army knife. He needs to be the guy who's not your everyday starting second baseman because he's so valuable in the role where you can put him literally anywhere on the field and he'd be okay, except maybe pitcher and catcher. Mm-hmm. So maybe one of these guys, you know, an Esteban Quiros comes in and says, "I'm, I'm going to rip that second base job away." Yeah. So I could, that's the one spot where I could see something like that happening. Or maybe the other one might be, strangely enough, behind the plate. I could see a guy like a, Lu- a Luis Torrens okay. coming in and going, you know what? Because he, he played really well last year at double A. Yeah. He looks like he's starting to figure it out and come into his own. He did have that one rule five year where he was up at the Padres for basically the whole season and learned a lot in doing that. Then went back and started fresh at Lake Elsinore. And then was a double A. And he's been with a lot of these young starting pitchers, too. So he's he's got a longer working relationship with them than the Austin Hedges and Francisco Mejias of the world. Mm-hmm. I could see maybe behind the plate someone like that. Kind of, I think Camposano was too early. because I was going to say, how far off is he? It's hard. It's a catcher. It's really hard to go right from, from long season A ball or from high A to the major leagues. Because that's a position where you have such a big learning curve. Mm-hmm. I could see it next year with him. He goes half year at double A and then half year at triple A and he's still hitting and he's getting that that book of how to call a game. I could see him maybe next year. I think it's too early this year for Camposano, but I could totally see a guy like Terenz coming in and going, you know what? I'm I'm gonna be in the mix here. That that wouldn't surprise me. Owen Miller, a guy that could come in and be the surprise at Owen second. Miller's another guy, yeah. He 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 has hit everywhere he's gone. He's a guy who brings a good big league approach. He's a guy who I could totally see coming in and and being a guy who maybe muscles his way into the second base spot. Maybe I don't know how Ty France has approached the offseason. Maybe he comes in and, and just rakes all through Cactus League and he shows that he can play an above-average defensive second base, which he's never done. Maybe Ty France becomes your starting second baseman. Or he's a third and Machado's at short and Tatis is at center. Um, wow. Is there a guy that 
every I mean everybody wants Jake Cronenworth on the roster, right? Yes, just because yes. of the tools and what he offers you is his ability to pitch and he he can be a fourteenth pitcher. Yeah, and with and with you saw the rules change that was official that officially came the out Andy about Green rule? Yeah, the, the roster construction uh-huh. and you're going to have to have him designated as a, as you know a position player but he can also you can, you know we can put him in there and he can pitch in a pinch I thought you were talking about the uh, the three batter rule the, oh, an, yeah, the, the Andy Green rule I think that was a Tony Larusa rule <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was. <laughs> was Larusa was famous for that Come, oh he would just grind games to a halt it was so obnoxious Painful. So obnoxious. And Andy Green was definitely cut from that That's, same cloth, yeah. mm-hmm. yes. Um, here's a thought. Uh, we've seen uh, Chris Paddock, among others, make the leap from AA to the big leagues. Knowing what we know about the PCL and how guys hit in El Paso, is there something to that? You know, with, with Gore and Patino, if they don't make the opening day roster, which y- you'd figure is that there's a there's a good chance that neither guys, neither of those two, on the opening day roster. Unless where, they pitch their lips off and they can't be kept off the opening day roster. Where do you think they get assigned? Triple A. Definitely triple A? Definitely triple A. For, well, for two reasons. One, they already went through double A last year. Mm-hmm. Patino was there for a short time. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't get to throw in the in the postseason as much as he wanted to. Gore was the same way because they had their innings limits and they got shut down. They proved that they can handle double A. But if they think that they're close enough to the big leagues to be able to come to big league camp, the major league ball is still only going to be at triple A this year. Hmm. They're not dropping it down to double A this year. So if you want those guys to start learning how that ball reacts and how to deal with it, you put them at triple A. And there's no apprehension there just because of the way guys sit in that league. No, not, not for me because again, they're They're going to get knocked around a little bit more because again, triple A is a lot of guys who are up and comers, but also a lot of guys who have big league experience. Mm-hmm. You guys like, I mean, Alan Craig, who went and won a World Series with the Cardinals was with El Paso, mm-hmm. and he's a guy who's mentoring these guys. He he's he was a bit legitimate big league hitter who's now at the AAA level. You're gonna have to go through guys like that mm-hmm. who know how to attack young pitchers and know what they're gonna try to do to get them out. So that's a really good place for young pitchers to try and learn mm-hmm. how to get guys out, especially when you're talking about this new kind of ball. Yeah, that is obviously something's weird with it. Mm-hmm. And you have to learn how that thing reacts. You have to learn how it comes out of your hand differently. Well, and of course, that starts at spring training when you, you're going to be using those things in the Cactus League. Yeah. But I think that's where you put those guys just so that they don't go back to a double A where there's still a ton of talent, yes. But if you want them challenged, truly challenged, nowadays you put them in triple A so they're dealing with all the multiple factors you're going to have to possibly deal with when you get to the big league level. Is there anything you're curious about seeing out of Jace Tingler when we're there next week and just from a distance following spring training before opening day? Like how much can we necessarily glean about him and the type of manager he is and all that in the coming weeks? Well, we talked about the relationship thing, right? How we build relationships. I want to see how much he's in there talking to guys in between you know, hitting sessions. Mm-hmm. How much is he around the cage? How much is he over in the bullpen? How much? Because you would see, see other skippers I and mean, we've seen – I've seen Buddy Black, I've seen Bruce Bochy, I've seen Andy Green. All different types of approaches. Bochy was a guy who was kind of around everywhere and he was available to anybody. Wouldn't necessarily seek him out. Buddy was, I mean, he's a pitcher guy, right? So he would be, he would have, he would set up his guys for the for the workout. He would be more around Darren Balsley and the pitching staff. Andy Green was kind of just kind of buzzing everywhere and he was standing, he would watch. Wouldn't interact as much. Mm-hmm. I mean, every now and then, talk to a couple guys. Hey, how you doing? You know, how you feeling? I, I want to see what Jace Tingler's approach is when baseball's not going on. When you got that line of 
you know, six bullpens and all the mounds are going and you have three or four guys who were kind of standing off on the side, did Jace come over and, and pull one of them aside and start mm-hmm. talking to him, getting to know him? When there is a batting practice session, only one guy can be in the cage at the time. What's he doing? Is he sitting there watching and observing on how guys are swinging the bat, what their swing path looks like, or is he in there talking to him, getting to know him? What, yep. How is he interacting with people? I want to see what his approach is there. And he, do you hear his line about, you know, I want this to be a uh, essentially a player-driven clubhouse, mm-hmm. yep. player-driven team. And uh, probably a smart move, right, on his behalf, yep. rather than just going in there as the new guy, unproven, throwing his weight around like, this is my team, I'm calling the shots, they march to my beat my direction that sort of thing you know what that sounds like sounds like dusty baker hmm. and dusty's a bro forget about the way he handles pitching staffs because he does leave <laughs> he just de- de- destroys pitching staffs right. he has the mountain of young arms that have been laid to waste by dusty baker is not small but that dude wins and that dude is a player's manager he lets guys have leeway and then steps in when he needs to mm-hmm. now again He's got that resume where he won with the Giants, he won with the Cubs, he, he's won everywhere he's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, he won with the Nats. He's, he's, he has won a lot of baseball games. So he's, he's got that respect and recognition immediately. But he had to build that over years as well. So it sounds very much like the similar kind of approach that Dusty takes. Whereas, yeah, I'm going to let the guys be the guys. And then they're going to know that when they have to step two or when I have to make a decision— I'm the guy that does that, and they're going to have to re- respect that. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll see how it goes, but it sounds like a sound approach to me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I guess I'm just kind of curious to see the dynamics play out with the addition of he and Tommy Pham, which we've talked about mm-hmm. again and again and again, and just how that group meshes and um, d- is, is who defers to who or who steps up in certain situations, who ends up being kind of the voice, the guy. I mean, after games, who are we – uh, gravitating to because they seem to be the ones with uh, the pulse of the team or uh, saying things that need to be said. Um, you know, when you bring in that type of personality amongst those guys that are already there and established, um, that's just going to be, that's one of the things I'm curious about as the season plays on. I'm good talking to Tatis every single day because it means that he did something amazing every single Typically, day. Typically. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Hey, so tell me about those three diving stops that you made to start double plays, and then the and then the 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 grand slam. Tell me about that. And then you stole home. Yeah, and then you and then you stole home. I don't know. Be quite a game. Yeah, you, you you scored from first on a ground ball to the pitcher. How'd you do that? Without an error. And he'll just kind of smile and chuckle and his ho hum way about him, like, oh, what can I say? You know, it's just. I'm wondering. I'm I'm actually waiting for him to score from first base on a comebacker. <laughs> Like, without an error involved on the play. Uh-huh. I want to see how he does it. At this point, nothing really seems beyond the realm of possibility. Um, I just want that kid to play a full season. Uh, seriously, if we can get 150 starts out of him, uh-huh. oh, it's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. I, you know, I, who knows how the season will play out, but it's going to be fun. Oh, MLB It'll Network. be entertaining. MLB Network already had him. You saw their positional rankings for the year. Hmm. They had him as the sixth best shortstop in baseball. Really? After 84 games, which for me is too low, but still, it's. I mean that that's that's a bold statement for. But did you see the fan? 84. Did you see the fan graphs piece on him? Hmm. Um, I mean, when you really dig into the numbers, I can't read that. OC just left us a note. Starting pitching, pretty please. He wants us to talk about starting pitching. Michael Connor, everybody, sports rap producer extraordinaire. He wants us to talk about uh, 
about the Padres or, or, starting pitching. Or he's a Padre fan asking for starting pitching. That could be it as well. <laughs> so to cover our bases here, Padres, Michael Connor would like you to get more starting pitching, please. And uh, then we can also discuss it. But it basically broke down. He he made more, to put it in layman's terms, ridiculous plays than pretty much any shortstop in Major League mm-hmm. Baseball. Like the super low percentage. I think it was like... Uh, there's a 15% chance of this play being made, and he made it. Yep. Uh, but then a lot of his errors came on more or less routine plays. We we certainly saw somewhere he was trying to do too much, but he had some throws where it's like, you you should make this play, and he didn't do it. And Lack so, of experience. And right. so that uh, – or just throws getting away from him. So that – it's interesting seeing him regarded that high. It's almost just from like a – your everyday fans perspective, like you see him do these amazing things. Oh, he should be pretty high on the list. But you know, when you dig into the numbers, the way fan graphs did, it kind of tells a different story. Now the potential is obviously there. Uh, but there were just, there was a series of throws and there was a, like a couple weeks stretch where it was, it was bad. really bad. It was bad. But again, that comes with experience. Cause you know, about you talk about the internal clock that an infielder has to have because you've been around the game a lot and you know, how fast these guys are. You know who runs hard. You know who doesn't run hard. You know how you get to know how much time you have on any given play because you can make those automatic calculations in your head of where I am, how deep I'm playing, how quickly the ball got to me, and who's running. He doesn't have that database yet. Mm-hmm. So some of those were he'd get it and look up and go, oh, shoot, he's fat farther down the line than I think he is and have to rush it because he doesn't have that internal clock is still not, it's still building. Mm-hmm. So that that was a few of those errors right there. Just you know, have to get it off a little bit quicker, and then like a pitcher, it sails on him because he throws so stinking hard. Mm-hmm. So as he gets again, that comes with experience. A twenty-year-old kid who never played above Double A before, he's learning how all these things work. All right. So OC wanted starting pitching. So as we wrap this thing up, uh, thoughts on starting pitching? It do you, do you expect Paddock, Lucchese, Richards, Lamette, Davies? Or is there going to be in a, some order of that? Is there going to be a surprise somewhere? The surprise would be Gore or Patino, and it would happen because of either a injury or b injury. <laughs> is there a c? All of the above. Slight injury. <laughs> Slight injury. <laughs> it would be, or like I said, if like if you guys if, if Patino walks out there and he throws twelve Cactus League innings without giving up a hit with 27 strikeouts, you're going to have to seriously consider putting him in the starting rotation. Short of something like that, Mm -hmm. where he just, we can't keep him off the big league roster, those guys are going to be in AAA. Because you do have, again, unlike what we saw last year, you've got enough capable guys. I'm going to say, I think Zach Davies is going to be the biggest surprise of this rotation. To start, because he's a guy who pitched at Miller Park, which is uh, in National League Central, but is an incredibly hitter-happy, mm. not just ballpark, but division. division yeah. When you've got a place like Great American Ballpark, which is a launching pad, PNC Park can be a hitter-friendly park. Wrigley Field, when the wind is blowing out, can be a very friendly hitter's park. you got a lot of places in the NL Central that are not kind to pitchers. Mm-hmm. Coming to the National League West, where you're talking about Petco and Dodger Stadium and AT&T Park. Of course, you got you know, Coors and Chase Field are the outliers, but those are three really good pitcher's parks. And mm-hmm. to make the majority of his starts at home at Petco, I think it's gonna you're going to see him with his ability to locate his pitches 
all of his pitches, he's going to be a really effective starting pitcher for the Potters. I think he's going to be the guy who surprises people the most where his stuff's not overpowering, but he just goes out and just wins ball games. Mm-hmm. He gives you a chance every single night to get you through six innings with you know, two, three runs. He might lead the team in quality starts because he just goes out and does his thing. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see what Zach Davies can do yeah. and, and what I think he will do. So if there's going to be a surprise or somebody who you're not really thinking about that much because we've had so much focus on Richards and Paddock and Lamette and the kids coming up. Yeah. And Lucchese being the one known commodity that we have, at least somewhat after two years. I think Davies is kind of be the, the forgotten man. Mm-hmm. He might he might be the one who sub, maybe not impresses, but surprises Padres fans the most with how uh, impactful he's going to be. So I'm rolling down there Tuesday. You're rolling down there Wednesday. Be, be there for a few days each. Excited about that. Had a lot of fun last year. Um, yeah, can't wait. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a blast. Um, thanks for listening. Check out Sports Wrap, Sports Wrap OT, every Sunday, 1135 and midnight. Um, <clears throat> I talked to Matt Mitchell of the Aztecs, who That's had the awesome. best dunk of the season. And the um, best reaction to said dunk. Yeah. <laughs> he was He was there, so he got dunked on. <laughs> it's amazing. It's an amazing quote. You ever, you ever see that uh, that uh video these guys who are huge Chicago Bulls fans just got dunked on I don't know I don't it's think like I Fro- froggy fresh I think is the guy's name who does he's just some kid who's a big Bulls fan huh. and they do these videos or they do you know make their own rap songs and they were called just got dunked on it's like why is why is whatever his name crying because he just got dunked on <laughs> go check it out on YouTube it's actually pretty funny but it reminded me of that when he said that. It's like, why is that dude crying? Because he just got just dunked got dunk- on. He yeah. said it was bad for him. He was under the rim, so he yeah. got dunked on. Uh, so that'll be on Sports Rap OT Sunday. You've got the balls in your court, which is always fun. Correct. Debating everything and, and under the sun, which is with some uh, interesting cast of characters. Yeah, which is it's nice. a great cast of characters. Um, so we'll be uh, with you Sunday evenings. We'll have spring training coverage coming up next week. And, yeah, go try to win yourself two Padres tickets again. The March 31st game against the Atlanta Braves. Take a screenshot of you listening to On Fryer. Post on Twitter, Instagram, hashtag On Fryer. Sweepstakes, best of luck to you. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. See y'all.